Hello, and welcome to In All Things, a podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a global movement of Evangelical Presbyterian churches. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. Our prayer is that God uses Dean and his guests to both inform and inspire you about how God is working in and through the EPC. The motto of our family of churches is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. And thank you very much, Rachel, and thank you for joining us again for another edition of In All Things, a podcast of the EPC, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. It's a delight to have you join us again for this edition. I think you're going to be um, encouraged by a fun conversation I have today with a very dear uh, friend of mine who I absolutely adore, just filled with life and energy and vitality. And any person who doubts the existence of the presence of the Holy Spirit needs to spend a little bit of time with Anid Flores. She is just absolutely filled with the Spirit and is a dynamic leader in the EPC. Um, she's a, a a ruling elder of the Westminster Presbyterian Church in Bayamón, Puerto Rico. Uh, she also has just completed her service as the moderator of the Presbytery of Florida and the Caribbean. going to talk to her about that in a second. And she has served nationally on a number of different teams, including our Next Generation Committee and our 7-9 team. And um, we're just really excited to have her in the office today so that we can get her on this podcast and have a conversation about what kind of mischief she's up to. So, Anid, welcome to uh, In All Things. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you, Dean. Um, You're being so gracious to me. And actually, I'm so happy to be with you, with all our friends in the Presbyterian Church, in EPC, because we are a family. And that's how I feel it. And every single time I come here, to General Assembly office. I just feel like I'm with my friends and brothers and sisters, and I just have a fun time. I never had any sisters growing up, but if I did have one, I would have wanted it to be you. You are just uh, an utter delight to be with. You th- That family thing, I've experienced that on the couple times I've been to Puerto Rico to be a part of our churches, because there's a real strong sense of that there. But you bring that into the EPC, the EPC brings that to you. I mean, it's... It, You've, you've nailed that. That's exactly what it is. Thank you. It feels like it goes both way. Yeah. Um, when we decided to, to move out, actually, from the PCUSA and work with a new denomination, and we decided to be with you, be with the EPC, and it was an unanimous decision in terms of our church. The first time we went to a meeting, it, was, it felt like family. It was a different thing. It was, we said, oh, God, we are with Christians. And that's how I feel. And actually, I don't have a big brother. And I do believe you are. Not only that, you are a pastor and a mentor, a truly, I mean, a true friend and someone that you can lean on and a visionary. And I just, I mean, I learned so much every single time I'm just sitting with you. So thank you for just pulling me out and just have this time just to chat and have a conversation. Well, thank you very much. I, I, I'm going to have to invite you like all the time because I just instantly feel better now having just spent a few minutes together again. Anita is also on television regularly. And so this is an audio podcast, not a visual one, which is, which is a, a, you know, it's a loss on our part because she and her husband, Efren, they 
are on television, I think, every week in every Puerto Rico. Week. And so uh, she was excited to have this week off from having to do a show, and then I dragged her into this. So thank you for your willingness to do that. Oh, always, always a pleasure. And actually, I do like being on radio and postcards better than being on TV. Yeah, why is that? I don't know. It's just, I mean, it feels more natural. I mean, you went and you put your lipstick on for this. so I Actually, mean. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, you're here because you're part of the Next Generation Committee. And um, yes. for the person who's listening in who has no idea we even have a Next Gen Committee, and you're really part of two national groups, Next Gen and 7-9, I'd like you to explain what both of them are so that the person listening in can understand, you know, why this is a huge investment on the part of the EPC and why you're so committed to it. So let's start with Next Gen. What is that group and, and why are you a part of it? Well, actually, the Next Generation Council looks to encourage, equip, and engage our next generation leaders. The EPC needs to see that we are bigger than what we think. Mm. And the next generation uh, needs to be part of it. Actually, it's a covenant. It's been, it's been given that we're supposed to pass our teachings and pass our lessons to our children, grandchildren, and those that are unborn. Yeah, that's the that's the foundation of like Deuteronomy six and the the, the Jewish oh, yeah. Shema is passed to your children and your children's children. So this idea of intergenerational, the passing of the faith down and empowering the leadership is at the heart of this. It is, and actually in Psalm seventy eight, it's right there. And so what we like to do, and we are trying to convene, is how to work with parents as the primary disciples of their children. Second, we need to have God's people know that it is important to be the secondary discipline uh, of their children. It's the church, that the church is there, but we are not to supplement. I mean, we are a complementary help for the parents, but we the parents are the primary source. So we need to equip them too. And also, as God's people, we need to become spiritual mothers and fathers of, uh, to the spiritual motherless and fatherless. And if it's something that we are seeing now, and we have seen going through different stages in life, it's that our kids, even though they're born sometimes in Christian families, they are drifting away. However, we know that it's not too late, and we have to do our part. So I think that it goes totally in a complement with what Revelation 7-9 does too. Seven, in Revelation 7-9, we are working to do our primary work, which is spread the word, spread the, the gospel. But you have to do it in your community, within the people that are around you. So the one, three, five mile, it's very important for us to just see our kingdom, our church, as God meant us to be, as in Revelation 7-9 presents. So I think both goes and work together in what our mission is as an evangelical Presbyterian church, which is, which is to evangelize, right, just right. to be there. I think maybe you're being able to sit on both, both teams. You see how that fits together in a way that's unique, right? You see mm -hmm. how... 
Uh, for example, if a church is going to try to reach people in their one, three, and five mile radiuses, you know, the, I think the book of Acts and it's our general assembly theme is summer in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So if in mm-hmm. those kind of expanding concentric circles in our spheres of influence, if we looked at that and said, well, we want to reach these people with the good news of Jesus, in those communities are going to be people who are younger than maybe our congregations have been, and they're going to be more diverse, perhaps, socioeconomically, politically. There's a whole lot of ways in which you're going to find people, even in communities that are somewhat monolithic. So, for example, at your church in, in Biomone, um, there's not a lot of uh, racial diversity, and most a lot of the people who are in the community around you are people of of, of Latin background, right? You mm-hmm. have people who are Puerto Rican in that community, but you have a rich socioeconomic diversity in that area, and yet the Biomone Church is maybe, let's say, a little more upper middle class? Well, actually, that's interesting. I mean, we used to be, when we were in the area, in, in the, in our temple before, it was in a more upper middle class thing. We had people from different backgrounds. It was very, um, the same families and the families keep growing together mm-hmm. and very educational, very high level of education. And what we've been moving since we we departed from Egypt, uh, we've been moving uh, towards new areas of social economic differences. Mm. And I think that's our biggest challenge now. We are we have a new plot. Uh, we bought uh, a new um, new land that we are supposed to have a construction there of our new temple and have the opportunity to move to a very depressed community, mm. which has actually immigrants mm. from different places uh, around the Caribbean, which also have a very vibrant business community, but at also, it's very, it's more dangerous than where it used to be mm. in terms of So your congregation has willingly everything. bought this piece of land to build yes, your church did. in that location. And that's really going to force you to intentionally reach out to the people. I mean, not just in your three and five, but in your one mile radius, you're going to have to reach out to your neighborhood. And that's going to put people out of their comfort zone, isn't it? We are putting them actually yeah. already out of their comfort zone. It's a different community. It's a different way of doing things. And we are, I mean, we are the outsiders. Mm. So we have to be the ones welcoming them also in our in our church. So it's going to be interesting to see, and we are working on that in strategic planning because it is different from what we used to have sure. before. Sure, sure. So God moves us in different ways. And I think this is the best thing that has happened to our church because mm. the church is more vibrant. We are more evangelical. Mm. We are more open. Mm. And we are definitely very excited to what God is bringing us. That's awesome. Well, I look forward to checking back in with you as things go along, because I know there will be lots of challenges, but the, you guys have intentionally chosen to put yourself in that place to be purposeful about the gospel and reaching your new neighbors is a fantastic. I mean, that is at the heart of what the EPC hopes to be. And uh, maybe you guys will be continuing to lead us in those ways, which will be exciting. And then one of these days soon, you get your stated clerk down to come and preach when you get that oh, new building. Yes, please. Right. I wish, I mean, I thought we we're going to have our new building by now, but well, with COVID and everything, it was, yeah. it's just 
keeps delaying, but sure. it will be in God's time. Okay. So you talked a little bit about 7.9. So NextGen is helping. Um, and, and I guess one of my points about NextGen that I've observed too, Anit, is that I think sometimes those of us who are uh, a, a little older, I'll put myself in that category. I won't put you in that category. No, but I am, But actually. I'll put myself in that category. We tend to think of the next generation as people who are the church of the future. And yet what my observation is when I watch the summit that your team put on last fall is that they're the church now. Like they're, they're ready to lead now. They're, they're good to go now. We have to create intentional pathways for them to move into leadership so that they can now lead us because this is their world. Like this is a world that is so different than what I grew up in and what is so, there are so many things that are disorienting, but this is, this is kind of indigenous for them. They, this is the air that they grew up breathing, the water they grew up swimming in. They grew up in a multicultural, multi-ethnic world um, that is pluralistic. They grew up in a world that is not a, um, a Christian society. Most of them didn't grow up with biblical literacy. Most of them grew up in a place that is very, very, very different. And, and yet they're, with incredible faith, rising up in a place to lead. And we've got to find ways for them to uh, actually engage in leadership so that the church can move forward, right? I totally agree. I think that it's, I mean, they are our church. Yeah. And they are in our churches. Um, sometimes we probably want, we don't give them enough space or enough participation. And I think it's a challenge and we have to do it purposely just to bring them in and listen to them. We can learn so much, yeah. so much from them. And they are the ones also taking care of other leaders because some of the next generations are the ones that are taking care of either the children at a, a church, are the leaders that are taking care of the toddlers, are the leaders that are like doing different stuff inside of the church, but they're silent though. Mm. And we need to give them more, more space and, and, and listen to them. And I do believe that what the EPC is doing right now is precisely that. It's just seeing that we, have, we used to have something and we used to do things in one way. However, in order to have this next generation keep growing, and as Psalm 78 says that the ancestors were very um, stubborn, and you have to be careful with that stubbornness. Probably the new, the next generation will listen more. So not, probably not, this is, not this is part of it. Not Presbyterians. No, no, Presbyterians no, of course are not. never stubborn. No, not no, at all. No. So, uh, yeah, uh, we were talking about those ancestors in, 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 in the Psalms. Right, right. That yeah. was them. So, that's yeah, it was them. Yeah. Um, so that stubbornness, just not to, not to grieve into it, actually, and not to keep it, but... Yeah. And that's something that we need to that we need to work on. And I think it's a big challenge for all of us. I mean, sometimes I forget that I'm not that young, <laughs> and and I have to not be stubborn. I also and just be humble and listen to them. It's a good word. It's a good word for me too. So thanks. I, I got to go there. The you talked about having the space for people to step up and lead uh, in terms of next generation, but there's also. Um, creating the space for someone like yourself to step up and lead. And here you are, a Latina, a woman, and yet the Presbytery of Florida in the Caribbean created the space for you to step up and lead as the moderator. And you served in that highest role in the Presbytery for a while, uh, 
Talk to us about what that experience was like. I mean, I went to a couple of those meetings and I saw how you led and I saw how people responded and it seemed like a incredibly great energy in the room and it seemed like that sense of family that you talked about was brought to that, that there was a lot of respect and a lot of mutuality. And that was my observation from stepping into the room from the outside. What was your experience like as a um, Puerto Rican woman elder moderator of one of our presbyteries? And the first one, actually, in the Presbytery of Florida and the Caribbean. As you know, um, the, our Presbytery is mostly complementarian. Right. Uh, it became uh, more egalitarian with the three churches from the Puerto Rico. And actually, that's, that was one of our interests of coming into the EBC, that that was not an issue, that you can work with that, with uh, women in leadership, um, separately. I was very impressed and must say I was a little bit afraid mm. when they asked me to be the moderator because I didn't, I didn't want to impose myself to anyone. Mm. I served there before in the ministerial committee, and I learned so much, and it was so great to do it. But one thing is to serve in a ministerial committee and look for everybody that is coming in to our presbytery, and the other thing is to be the leader that work with, the, with our mission, and they're supposed to, I mean, the moderator is supposed to be kind of like the pastor of all the churches, and I knew that most of the men and most of the women and most of the people in my presbytery were not into that. So I needed a lot of advice. I have to tell you, I sat down with you obviously, and ask you what were you thinking and what were your recommendations. I sat down with Rufus Smith, another mentor. I love him so much too, and I needed to to see his ideas and how he saw it and also his wife. And I sat down with my pastor. And you have an exceptionally great pastor. I oh, mean, Pastor yes. Juan is, he uh, is one of my top faves. I mean, he is just a <laughs> rock star in my view. Uh, yes, he is for me too. And he said just one thing, and I remembered that. It's like, it is not because you're a woman or you're a man. It's just because you're the best person to do the job. Mm. And just not go there mm. to be the woman in charge. Just yeah. go there to do your job. Right. And that's what I did. And I tried to do. I didn't want to be... I didn't want to impose myself. I wanted to be humble because I was humble with that position. I was like, why me? <laughs> yeah. what, what am I bringing to the table? Which I always ask myself that. I mean, if you ask me to do a job, I will try to do my best all the time because I know that I do it not for you or for anyone else, but for God. And that was part of it. It was, it was a challenge at first. I know that it was not um, simple for people, and it was quite un probably uncomfortable, but they were also gracious. And they just gave me the time, gave me the space to grow as a leader, and they backed me up. Yeah. And I feel, I mean, they're my family, <laughs> my loving family. And you know you have everything in family, you huh? Yeah, I mean. So um, well. I'm so glad um it's just glad 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 
And I, I have got to think, I mean, in the Lord's providence, right? He brought, as he always does, for a time such as this, the right person, the right place, the right time, because you bring this unique uh, combination of qualities, not just your personality and your articulateness, your background and so forth as an elder, but you're also an attorney. And so your ability to be able to step into a situation like that and handle it with the kind of poise that you did and not make it about, you know, your ethnicity or even about your gender, but about being, you know, here I am, the, the person who God has chosen to step up and lead in this way and will make it about the Lord and his gospel and to watch people from different backgrounds and different beliefs even uh, on the non-essentials rally around that and continue to move forward as a church. And I, you know, my observation is you did a fantastic job as Thank a leader. You. And, uh, God was graceful. He really showed me the way. And I always asked, um, my prayer was to just open minds and open hearts. And I think he did. He did. And he did both ways. He yeah. opened my mind and he opened my heart. And he did with my fellow presbyters, yeah. actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the last meeting that I had on October was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is my last meeting. And it was, it was wonderful to have you there. Mm. And it was wonderful to just have two big pillars in our presbytery move out, Bob Garman and Don Mason, and just being able to retire them with grace and, and with love and with gratefulness. Yeah. So well, thank you I'm for just grateful. Job. Well done. Thank you. So uh, we want to wrap up our time maybe with, uh, because of your deep level of investment as an elder, serving in your presbytery, serving at the general assembly level, and all the ways in which you've contributed, you have this deep passion, this deep love, this deep sense of family. What are your hopes and dreams for the EPC going forward? As people listen in to you, what would you hope that they would hear and what would you hope they would consider? What are the what are the dreams and hopes for us going forward that you'd want to share with folks? Oh, my biggest hope is to keep encouraging people, to keep encouraging people to do what we're supposed to do, which is spread the gospel and do it every single day, to take time, take time um, not only to pray and to serve your fellow members of the church and your friends, but those that are not your friends, those that need and those that probably hurt you. Mm. And I think that's one of the biggest processes that I've been working on mm. since this past year, just being there. And I think the EPC has that heart. And that's what I love about EDPC, that we have that, that heart of community service, worship, but mostly service. And what can I say? Uh, I want people to engage, to know our, to come here to the General Assembly, to know their leaders, to ask them questions. Yeah, so what's the value of, of that engagement? Could I just go there a little bit? Because sure. you've been so deeply engaged. How has that blessed you? How has that been a benefit to your faith? Well, for me, it's, it's in the personal level, I have learned so much in terms of not only leadership, but also community. How to serve the community in a bigger way. What to do in terms of bigger things in order to be useful 
we have a say in Spanish that it says that si tú no sirves, no sirves. It's like if you don't serve, you're useless. <laughs> but the thing is that when you do it in Spanish, the words are the same. As you can hear, if si tú no sirves, no sirves. Sirves is service, but we use it in both ways. And our pastor, our pastor emeritus, Pastor Perez, used to say that a lot, and I kept it in. Because if you don't serve, you're useless. I mean, how can you grow as a follower of Jesus if you're only ever consuming and absorbing and you're never That's serving? That's true. Right? You need to keep, I mean, equip yourself. You have to. Hmm. Read, the, read, study. That's one of the things I like about the Presbyterians. We study a lot. But you, don't, you cannot just sit down in church. You cannot only study. You have to put things into action. And we need to do that. We need to engage and the only way we can engage is putting our words into action. Amen. That's a great place to end. Preach it, sister. I <laughs> need <laughs> thank you so much. It's always a blessing to be with you, and the conversation today has been rich, and so just thank you very much for the gift of your time. Thank you so much for letting me be here and just to be with you. Amen. Well, uh, brothers and sisters, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. It's almost like all of you have to listen in on a conversation between a brother and a sister who love each other dearly, and you all get to kind of listen in over our shoulders. And But we're glad to have you, glad to have you in the conversation, because as Anid says, we are family. Uh, that is the nature of the EPC, and we're so grateful uh, that you were a part of that. Um, one of the great contributions of Anid's congregation and the congregations of Puerto Rico in the EPC is that they have done a great service in helping us to begin to translate a lot of our source materials into Spanish. And um, we need to do more. We need to translate more documents. We need to get documents into Korean. We need to get documents into other languages as well. If we're going to be part of a global movement, then we have to be multilingual as well as multicultural, multi-ethnic. And um, if that's a project that you're interested in, we would love to hear from you at the Office of the General Assembly. But you can go on our website and download a number of materials uh, that are available for you in Spanish as well as in English. And one of the uh, things that I think uh, that is important is that um, you could get, I believe on our webpage, uh, the moderator of the Presbytery of the Gulf South, Hector Reynoso, has produced a devotional on the Westminster Confession that is in English and Spanish. So whether you're English or Spanish or both, you can go to that great source document of ours in the Westminster Catechism, and you can um, be able to have a devotional that is bilingual. And that's a beautiful gift that Hector has given to us. We've had him on this podcast in the past. Uh, you can go back and listen to that episode again and search through our files, but that would be a, a real gift. So my friends, remember the good word, which is the final word from Colossians 1, verses 15 through 18. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. My friends, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, for he is the head of the body, the church. 
Él es la imagen del Dios invisible, el primogénito de toda creación. Porque en Él fueron creadas todas las cosas, las que hay en los cielos y las que hay en la tierra, visibles e invisibles, sean tronos, sean dominios, sean principados, sean potestades, todo fue creado por medio de Él y para Él. Y Él es antes de todas las cosas, y todas las cosas en Él subsisten. Y Él es la cabeza del cuerpo que es la iglesia. Él que es el principio, el primogénito de entre los muertos, para que en todo tenga la preeminencia. Amén. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.